Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. We see another couple there, Aquila and Priscilla, that I talked about. But it says, look, greet also the church in their house. The church in their house. So Aquila and Priscilla had a house church. And most people know that to have a house church, you had to have a fairly large house. It wasn't, they didn't have a condominium. They had a pretty big house to support a church in it where people would gather. They would come. Not like this today, but they would meet in big living rooms. Some people even, according to archaeological discoveries, knocked out walls in a living room to make the place bigger to house more people. So Aquila and Priscilla had money. Uh, They had their own business, that tent-making business, as I had mentioned. And then in verses 10 and 11, you have two people mentioned where Paul says to greet their families. Aristobulus and Narcissus. How would you like that name, Narcissus? You know what it meant back then, what it means today, you know? So, Narcissus, but, but what I want you to see there, it's interesting because they're singled out for that purpose, their families, greet their families. Why? Because that could more accurately be translated the head of an estate is how that could more accurately be translated. So the head of a state. So these people, these two, they had money too. And so you're going down this list and you're reading it and you're starting to find out a little bit about the people that are in the church. Then there's Erastus. Look at verse 23 because this is important. Erastus. In verse 23, he's known as the city treasurer in Corinth. Now where was the book of Romans written from? Do you remember when we did the introduction? The book of Romans was written from Corinth. Paul was in Corinth when he penned this epistle. And he says that Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. Now why is that so important? Because there's an archaeological discovery. I took a picture of it myself. It's called the Erastus inscription. And we have a picture of it. I think Angel has a picture of it there. She's going to show you. See that inscription? That inscription is called the Erastus inscription. Now let me just tell you what it means because it was written in Latin. It says, Erastus, in return for his aedileship, laid the pavement at his own expense. That's what that says. Okay, in Paul's day, sometimes the government wouldn't fund a project. They didn't have the money to do it, so somebody who was in leadership in the city would write, they'd become the person themselves, they'd be the benefactor, they would write the check and they would make sure the project got done. This happened to be discovered in a paved area around the theater that is located in Corinth. And so when Paul says, Erastus, the city treasurer greets you, then we know that inscription belongs to him because ediles were those who were in city government positions, many of them. They were in positions over a city. It would be almost impossible that that didn't belong to this Erastus that you're reading about in Romans 16. 
that he funded the project himself there in Corinth. We saw it, and it was beautiful. It was right near the theater, but there was that paved area. And why do I bring that up today and show you things like that? Because we need to understand that this book was written to real people in real places. That sometimes people want to tell you there's fairy tales in here, the names are made up. You see all kinds of garbage on the internet, and I'm going to tell you, you hear all kinds of garbage in classes like world religions and the universities and college campuses. It seems like their one goal is to dismantle the Word of God so that they can put doubt in our children's hearts when all along archaeological evidence is always backed up the scriptures. These are real people in real places. So we begin to see that the church in Rome um, had wealthy people there, but they also had those who were at the bottom of the social class. Look at verses 9 and 13. You see names, Rufus and Urbanus or Urbanus. You see those two names. Those were common slave names given to people at that time. These were not people that were an Erastus. These were not a Phoebe. These were not an Aquila and Priscilla. These were people that were slaves. And we know that in the day when the church was built in Rome, that most of Rome was slaves. Their economic system, it was very different. It wasn't the um, slavery that we encounter here in America. Oftentimes, the slavery in Rome, you had Slaves come up and they ran entire households. They ran the household for people. They were given positions. They were treated right, things like that. But those two names right there, most scholars believe that they were slaves. So what I want you to see there is that, that you got people of means and people from the lowest part of the economic, they're fellowshipping together. And we know that Rome had its issues, the, the church in Rome, we dealt with some of that. We'll get to that in a moment too. But, but I want you to see here that God doesn't place a value on people like the world does. People go to wedding receptions. We were at one last night. It didn't happen there, I'm sure. But, but I've been to, to places where there's been parties. What do you do? You know, as if, you know, my whole value in this life is dependent on what I have and what I do. And, and the world values people very different than us. We're seeing that even through the COVID-19 thing. How is it that people of prestige can get certain medicines and others that are at the lower end of the class have to wait and things like that? And we see this world is very different than the church, you guys. Very different than the church. And in fact, James actually hit the believers that were favoring rich people. In James chapter 2, in fact, this, this whole chapter is going to be one of the studies in the life groups. This is going to be one of the chapters that they study in the life groups this week. I want to put out there again, put a plug for the life groups. If you want to connect, build fellowship, and learn the Bible then get into one of the life groups. But in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And he goes on through the chapter about indicting the church on favoring people that were dressed nicely, were 
Rolex watches, you know, big diamond rings, whatever, you know, however you want to equate that to today's world. But the church is not that way. And I truly appreciate the people in our church that has money who see people, some of them are here merely because of you guys, new creations. They have a heart for you. They want to see your life get together and they're, they're not afraid to support that and to fund it because they know that Satan's out there and he's there to kill, steal, and destroy. But man, God wants to give you life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And you need to be appreciative of those who are supporting you. And the best way we can be appreciative of that is to grab hold of what God's wanting to do in new creations in your lives. Amen? Amen? Do I have to come down there? So I want you to see that here's a church that is very diverse in class. But we also know there was diversity in race. We know that there's some people that were Jewish. Some of them are Gentiles. Some of them were from the Middle East. Some were from Europe. Some from Asia. They were from all over when you get a background of their names. The main concern, though, Paul had, however, was with the Jews and the Gentiles because Jews were God's chosen people and anybody who wasn't Jewish was called a Gentile. And so for the church to make headway between those two races or those two groups of people, Jews and everybody else, was a major, major battle at the beginning of the church. They had their struggles. You even had Judaizers, Jewish people coming along and trying to pervert the gospel, saying you needed to be circumcised in order to be saved and you needed to follow the law of Moses. All these things were coming into the church and the Gentiles were at odds with them. But here in this church, bottom line is, you didn't have a bunch of people bailing on race. You know, Paul's able to write to these people from Corinth, and their names speak loudly of where they were from. And there they are. Different races, different ethnicities in the same church, singing to the same God. It bothers me when I hear terms like white supremacists or, you know... All of these racial slurs just because based on what you voted for. You guys need to quit listening to the lies of the media. You really do because I'm getting tired of people looking at white people as being racist. We're not racist in here. And I'm getting tired of saying that Hispanics or African Americans are racist. We don't have that. If it is, you come to me. I'll deal with it myself. And I'm 58. If I can't do it, I'll get somebody younger to deal with it. Like I said, I love Jesus. I try and serve Him to the best of my ability, but I haven't forgotten how I used to do it either. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verses, chapter 2, verses 13 to 16, he says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one 
and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That's a powerful scripture because the middle wall he is talking about The middle wall he is talking about is the wall that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. When you would go to the temple, you had a wall there with, and we've seen the discovery, the archaeological discovery of the stone tablet, one of the stone tablets that used to be on the wall. And if Gentiles crossed that line, they could be put to death. So you go to the temple, there was a place called the Court of the Gentiles, And they could go to a certain area, but only the Jews were allowed into a certain area, the deeper part of the temple, where all the worship really took place. And so Gentiles weren't allowed. And that wall that he's talking about in Ephesians 2 is that wall. He says, that was taken down. That was removed. Now we're one body. We're one body. We're one body. And that's important because that is a witness to the world. I'm sure Paul probably thought, man, it'd be easier just to plant a church for the Jews and then plant a church for the Gentiles. And then they can both worship the way they want to worship and, and do whatever they want and let's just plant different churches and things like that so that everyone could remember. But that's not the witness to the world. That's not the witness to the world. In fact, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. They're all the same color, white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I would hope that color would not divide you because you're going to spend eternity with people. They're going to be up there. And if you've got a heart issue, you need to deal with that with God. If you have the least bit of racism, I don't care if you're white, African-American, Hispanic, if you've got the least bit, you better deal with that because that dishonors the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 16 to top it off. He's going to make (laughs) greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, so we're going to practice that right now. (laughs) Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's like, man, right? Seriously. That's how they did things back then. It's like my family. We're Italians. We go up to see my parents, and my mom's like, you need to stay your distance because of COVID, but we can still be at one end of the table. We'll sit outside and everything else. But after 30 minutes, we were hugging and kissing all over everybody because we're Italians. We couldn't resist that. And the church shouldn't resist not the holy kisses. I don't want any more pastoral issues next week because of some said from the wall. But man, if you can't greet one another in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And I'll tell you what, if there's somebody in this church and you come through those doors and you find yourself, you were going to go through those doors, but you decided to go through those doors because that person was standing over there and you wanted to avoid them, that's wrong before the Lord too. Totally. There's diversity in gender. I want you to see this in chapter 16. We don't have time to, to read it all, but of the 27 Christians... Paul greets in verses 1 to 15, 10 are women. More than one-third are women. Six of them, Phoebe, Priscilla, Junius, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Persis, if you're looking for a name for your baby coming, those are good ones, are commended for their labor in the Lord. I want you to see the value of women here. Because there's been so many churches that have kept women at bay and not allowed them to step into what God's called them to do. And I'm telling you right now, it was the Christianity that elevated women. I don't care what feminists say about Christian men. If they're true Christian men, they have encouraged and they've nurtured women in their calling. You see it in the Gospels. Christianity did something that nobody else would do. And that was when Jesus rose from the dead, women were actually recorded as the first witnesses. And in that culture, that was a no-no. You didn't do that. If you wanted credibility, you would put a man's name there. But no, this is the way it happened. This is the truth is what happened. And we put it down and say it like it is. God doesn't need to defend himself. Jesus doesn't need to defend the resurrection. He rose from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling and reigning with all power and authority today. And women were recorded as their being the witnesses when you look at the church in Iran. And even though I believe the scriptures are clear that the top leadership in any church is supposed to be male, 1 Timothy chapter 3. But with that being said, some people have used it as a tool to hinder women from becoming what they're supposed to become. If you look at the church in Iran, it's one of the fastest growing churches in the world today. They've outlawed Christianity. You'll go to prison if you're a leader. You may not come out of prison if you're a leader. And it's generally women that are leading the church there. And it is an amazing movement. And you can't get around that. God will use who He can. I remember Marilyn Maslow, who was a missionary for 25 years at a tribe. I can't even remember where, what, what the um, country was. But she was here years ago and she was in her 80s. And she had spent 25 years. You remember, she's the one who challenged me to push-ups in front of everybody. I'm, I may be 80 years old, but I can beat you in push-ups. No, you can't. She beat me, you know. So, you know, she was, she was an amazing woman. But she said, when I went in there, there were no men. I had to preach to them. I had to teach them. I had to do everything until a man rose up and took the leadership of the church. We should be a culture here at Christ Community of in raising women up to be influencers like God called them to be. Some of the most influential people I've met on the across seas, including in Haiti and Thailand, were women. Thailand was Salisa, man. She used to just 
I mean, she was a fireball. I had to check my own salvation when I got around her. And then in, in Thailand, Sangla, who, who was part of Jonathan Hawk's ministry there, um, she would interpret for me, and she would out-preach me in her interpretation, I think, sometimes. And it was an amazing thing. She had so much. She was such an influencer. And, and listen to me, women. If, if, you know, we live in a culture where abuse is taking place and everything else, but God created you and wired you for a specific plan and purpose. And you need to step into that, whatever it may be. Some people think women at the church are only for making coffee and making copies. But that's not true. In fact, so many women here have carried the torch in various ways. So the church is filled with diverse people. But that's the exact witness it's supposed to be to the world that we're united in Christ. I saw last week, I read, where Columbia University is hosting six different graduation ceremonies based on income level, race, and ethnicity. Not, they're, they're not doing a graduation with everybody together. They're separating classes, genders, and all of those type of things. And that's the way the world does it. But that's not the way Christ does it. Amen? Amen. So the other thing I want to bring out here, I've only got 10 minutes left, but I want you to see something. I'm going to bring out two other points. One is the ordinary accomplishes the extraordinary. That, that's what spoke to me so loudly in this uh, chapter is that there's just ordinary people that God is using to build His church. Look, look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. I... Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Isn't that weird? Some people, right away, wait, I thought Paul wrote it. No, Paul dictated it. And, and this guy, Tertius, was trained in a specific way of, of transcribing. You had to hear, and you had to hear accurately, and you had to be able to write accurately in order to do what he's doing. And yet he uses his gift for the glory of God. And I think it's funny, because it's like Paul's you know, Paul is, is like quoting him what to write and he's transcribing it. And it's like he's, you know, a movie guy. You know, like Alfred Hitchcock used to show up in his movies. You know, he'd be on a train just passing by. It's like Tertius is, is saying, I'm coming from behind the camera. I'm waving to everybody now. He's like, he couldn't wait to say hello. And, and yet, here's, you won't see his name again in Scripture. In fact, many of these names you're not going to see again in Scripture. They're just ordinary people that did extraordinary things because they chose to obey God. They chose to follow the Lord. That's why wells are being dug in, you know, Africa. That's why Hannah House exists in Thailand. It's not like God said, oh, gee, I'm going to pick these superstars that were trained in, in seminary and all of this stuff and, and picked them because they're the most gifted and everything else. No, the, God's church is always built on the backs of ordinary people. And if you're out there in your pew or you're watching today and you're just wait, Remember last week we play, prayed for Ryan Burns and, and Luis Salinas? Those, those two guys have jobs here and they went to Honduras on missions. 
just ordinary guys that live here in Imperial Valley that come to Christ Community Church that were in Jonathan's discipleship class. They just felt called to go do them, and they found one on their own, and they went on their own. And that's, that's the beauty of God's kingdom because when somebody says, I will, by faith, God will do something extraordinary through them. Isaiah, he, you know, God says, whom will I send? I'll go, he said. He couldn't wait. I'll go after he took, got a glimpse of the throne of God just like we have. We've seen God's grace. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.